Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give a couple words of introduction first. Okay. All right. Good morning again. Christ is risen. It's good. Uh, boy, this has been a great service already, and uh, thank the Lord. The music was just really, really powerful. It's like the music was my sermon this morning. It really was. Uh, it, the, it was so powerful, and we thank the Lord for that. Well, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. Uh, I was sorry that Dan had to go ahead and already announce about the Yankees losing the other night, and, and then he left. And so... <laughs> So uh, you can pray about that. Uh, we're really, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to just be with you again this morning. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we love you in the Lord. It's, uh, it's a blessing to be here. And um, uh, this opportunity to share something from God's word this morning is special. For me, again, um, I prayed quite a bit about what the Lord wanted me to talk about this morning and had different ideas, and it really, uh, so I landed on this one, and it, it was hard, to be honest with you, it was hard to uh, come to this point and, and share what I'm going to share with you this morning, but I'm really excited about what God is doing. So I have a couple of goals this morning, just as you think about it, and even if you're praying right now, number one, I want, during this time of sharing of God's Word, I'd like to really give a public testimony of God's faithfulness to Jan and I uh, during the trials that we've had in our lives recently. And we hope that you can, many of you can identify with that about what's going on in your life. But I want to give a public testimony about that, so I'll I'll be trying to do that. And secondly, I, I really have been praying that God would encourage all of us, all of God's people, uh, about how to suffer well how to suffer in the power of the Holy Spirit and do it well. And so that's, that's what I would like God to do this morning. So I'd like to pray, then Jan's going to come and read the scripture, the main uh, beginning scripture passage for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for Riverside Church. We, we thank you that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that because he lives, we live. God, thank you for this time, for the word of God which is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces even to the dividing asunder of our soul and spirit, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for God's people here. Lord, take this time, please, and come and meet with us in your mighty grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay. All right, good morning. The um, scripture today is from 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Yes, if you'd like to stand for the reading of his word, I think that's an awesome thing to do if you'd like to do that. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Thank you. So, praise God. Once again, it's good to uh, be able to have this time with you this morning. And uh, so, what I'd like to share is, is a real burden and, and things that the Lord has been teaching me in my life now for a while, and he's still, uh, I got a long way to go yet. So I just want to share a little bit about what's been going on in light of the scripture passages and the challenges there. And uh, so the title of our message is Two Crosses, Two Crosses, not one cross, but two crosses. And the passage is the one that Jan just shared with us. And it has to do with suffering. So I'm really thankful for uh, Dr. Curtis Sargent, who uh, talked and taught and wrote some things on this topic and some of his challenges that the Lord brought to my life just from reading and hearing him speak about two crosses. So let's begin with this. Most of you are familiar with uh, the situations with a ministry called Voices of the Martyrs. I know that the ladies have focused on that many, many times, and uh, so many challenging and inspiring stories, amen, about that, and, and you read about it. And th- so I have one here that happened back in Flanders in the 1500s, and it's called Walled Inn, Walled Inn. And so as the story goes, the inquisitors at that time went to a certain home in Flanders, and they were looking for Bibles. They were looking for Bibles at that time, and they found one. Now, at that time, the Bible was a forbidden book in that place, and so they found it actually in the mayor's house. And so they brought the whole family out there, and they wanted to find out who was doing it. Somebody in this house, they said, is studying the Bible, and who is it? So this was because in the 16th century, Philip II sent the Duke of Alba to Flanders, and the goal was to stamp out all the Protestants who insisted on reading the scriptures in their own language. Wow, isn't that amazing for us, right? And they said anyone found studying the Bible would be hanged, drowned, torn in pieces, or burned alive at the stake. And so the inquisitors were at this house. They found the Bible. They brought the whole family out there. They couldn't figure out because nobody would admit that the Bible was theirs and that they were reading the Bible. 
And so they finally asked the young maidservant who was there, and her name was Runken, Runken, and she boldly declared, I'm reading it. I'm the one reading the Bible. And the mayor of the house, knowing the penalty for reading the Bible, tried to defend her, and he said, oh, no, she's not really reading it. She just owns it, but she doesn't really read it. But Runken chose not to be defended by that lie, She spoke up and she said, this book is mine, I'm reading from it, and it's more precious to me than anything else. And so, she was sentenced to die by suffocation. A place would be hollowed in the city wall, she would be tied in it, and the opening would be bricked over. And so it went. On the day of her execution, she stood by the wall, And one last time, an official came to her to try to get her to change her mind, saying, you're so young and you're so beautiful, and yet you're going to die. And Runken replied, well, my Savior died for me. I will also die for him. And so they put her in there, and the bricks were being piled up higher and higher, and she was warned one last time, you are going to suffocate, and you'll die in there. She said... I will be fine with Jesus. And so they did it. And finally the wall was finished, except for one brick that would cover her face. And for the last time the official spoke to her, repent, just say the word, and you'll go free. But Runkin refused, once again, instead saying, oh Lord, forgive my murderers. And the brick, brick was put in place, that last one, Many years later, her bones were removed from that wall and were buried in the cemetery of Brugge in that part of the country. She had become a martyr for Jesus Christ. So what an extraordinary story of a young woman and her faith in Jesus, amen? She was walled in, yes, but she was not walled up because she went to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And she had the courage and the faith, of course, to endure that suffering because she really, truly, you know, unbelievably believed that Jesus had suffered first for her. Amen? So we hope maybe to see her in heaven one day, right? What a great thing that will be. So I'd like to share with you a little bit today about two crosses, two crosses. So it's it's pretty obvious about that and what that means. The first one, of course, is the cross of Christ. We know that. But now the second one is the cross of people who are following Christ. So that's like you and me. Amen? So the first one is his cross, but the second one is my cross, and it's your cross. And I don't know what you think about crosses today, but it's a hard topic to think about, I think. And so God is going to challenge us as he's challenged Jan and I in our lives in past times about what it means to bear a cross for Jesus Christ. So as we think about these things, and you think of this story, I love this little picture here. And uh, so you, as you look in the mirror, who do you see? Do you see a, a lion there or do you see just a little kitty cat When we go through the trials in our lives and we look into the word of God in the mirror of the word of God, what do we see? 
and how do we handle the sufferings and trials in our lives. Does this make sense this morning? I have a real good friend in Kansas. I've mentioned this before, perhaps. His name is Steve. And uh, Steve and his wife were fairly young Christians back when we were there. And so Jan and I got to know them. We were meeting together for a little Bible study together and and became fairly close at that time. And uh, so Steve was a hunter. He went out hunting one day. Steve went out hunting and he had another guy that was hunting with him who uh, didn't know where Steve was and shot a shotgun up into the air. He just shot up into the air. He didn't know where Steve was, but the shot came down, hit Steve full blast in the face. All the shot from the shotgun. And in addition to that, one pellet went into each of his eyes. And Steve was blinded in an instant. Steve really was devastated, of course. His family was devastated. Steve and his wife were strong Christians at that point. But boy, that just shook their world and, and he wa- they walked away. He walked away. He walked away from the Lord and he walked away for several years, actually. And, uh, but he came back, came back to the Lord. And uh, Steve went to college. He finished at the top of his class. He went to law school, became a lawyer. He still lives in Kansas. He's an elder in his church. He preaches once in a while, but he's blind. He still has pellets in his face. And so when Steve came back, he and I, we would talk often about what God, you know, what is this that God's doing? What's this plan that God has? And Steve would say this to me, and he would say, sorry, he would say, Dave, whenever you talk about this, I want you to tell people that a person can be a very committed Christian and still go through a very terrible time of suffering. I said, Steve, I'll do that. And so I'm doing it right now to you, and, and we'll continue to do that. You can be a very committed Christian sometimes and go through terrible, terrible sufferings. Anybody say amen to that? So that's not a topic that we like to talk about a lot, but it is a topic that is in the Bible, isn't it? So the passage that Jan read, actually from 1 Peter, if you were following along there, is one that Pastor Paul taught on not too long ago in that first chapter. And he did an excellent job, as always, with that passage. And so I'm not going to, of course, repeat uh, all the details of that. And I just encourage you to check it out if you are still interested. But I'd like to just summarize it sort of and, and use it as a starting point for our study this morning. Because Peter is like... He's this old fisherman, you know, at this time in his life. He's just a, he's a fisherman, but he's old. He's getting up there. We don't know how old he is, but he wrote these letters. And 1 Peter is sort of a book on suffering. So in the Old Testament, we have Job. But in the New Testament, we have 1 Peter. It's really, there's a, so much in the book of 1 Peter about suffering. And so he's writing to these Christians here, and he's trying to encourage them in their times of suffering. So he's writing to a suffering church. And you know, he's writing to our church as well, right? To you, and he's writing to me as well. It's an old fisherman's letter. Tradition tells us that Peter eventually was martyred, and he was crucified upside down because of his faith in Jesus Christ. 
So that's Peter. And, and so he's left us this, and it says at the beginning there in that part that Jan read that he's writing to these Christians, and those Christians at that time, they were sojourners. They were sojourners, it says, which means pilgrims, and then they were scattered throughout that whole region because of their faith. They were scattered. So, you know, so that's them, right? And, and maybe to some degree that could be you and me as well today. If there was a subtitle for First Peter, it might be this. Peter might say, don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste them. Now, that's something that I needed to hear and need to hear, and I suppose always will need to hear in my life, because I, I'm not sure uh, the little ones, you know, I don't mind so much, but it's the big ones that are killers, and um, I not only would like to waste my sorrows, I'd like to ship them off to Siberia. Anybody here agree with that? And so... Uh, about four years ago, the Lord permitted Jan and I to go through some really, really hard, serious trials of times in our life. And, um, and so it was a really life-changing thing, and we ended up being here at Riverside. And I'm so thankful for that, and I'm thankful for, the, for Paul and Deborah, and I'm thankful for you guys and, and the Holy Spirit, and, and on and on I could go. But don't waste your trials. So part of what I said at the beginning was that part of this is I want to give a testimony publicly. And I've been, you know, for over four years now, I've been thinking about this and praying about it. And I knew that the day was coming when at some way I was going to be able to give a public testimony. And this is it. So it's not going to be the last day probably that I do it. But, but this is it. And it, it took me over four years to get to this point. So I'm just... I'm just telling you what that. So in, in Psalm verse 18, it says, The Lord brought me out to a spacious place because he delighted in me. And I just praise God today that that's what God does and that's what he's done. And it's not because that we are special or unusual or especially good. It's just because of his great grace and his great mercy that he has for us. And it's because of the cross of Jesus Christ, first of all. And so that's a, a testimony. And, and the Bible says in Psalms, you know, come in here. I want to tell you great things that God has done for me. And so that's, that's part of it. I'm not going to go into all the gory details of things today. Uh, but I'm not interested in that. But I'm just wondering, you know, what is it that God is doing in your life as well today? Maybe some of us, maybe you're going through some suffering, something really hard, something really challenged. Maybe it's just a little thing, like the, the bears losing. <laughs> maybe it's that. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's something really, really major. I don't, I don't know, but God knows. And, and so if I could say this morning, as we think about these things, this is your fork in the road. It's your fork in the road. So which, go, which direction are you going to go? You're going to go to God or you're going to go away from God. It's like a fork in the road, isn't it? And the choice becomes ours. Am I on my way to praising? So are you with me on this so far? Okay, so uh, the first cross, let's just start with that. 
The cross of Christ is one, of course, we talk about all the time, and rightly so. I mean, the cross of Christ, that's it, isn't it? The wonderful cross of suffering, amen, of Jesus on the cross. Praise the Lord. And so uh, in 1 Peter, if you jump over to chapter 2, Peter continues this theme of suffering that he's referring to in chapter 2 of the same book. And uh, I'd like to just read a little bit of that beginning in verse 21. If you're following along or just listening, Peter says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And then here's, here's the verse. He himself, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Anybody say amen to that? So the, the wonderful cross of Christ. And so I know that you guys know this. I, I mean, this is not new stuff. We talk about it, rightly so, every, every week. Jesus Christ suffered amazingly because he loves us so much. And so we talk about the passion of Christ, right? Passion means what? It means suffering. Passion of Christ means suffering. And we know this. Jesus died and he suffered physically. Amazingly. Jesus died and he suffered emotionally. Amen. He was in agony. And Jesus died and he suffered spiritually. When God the Father put the penalty of sins upon his son, Jesus. The suffering of Christ. It's just, it's beyond our comprehension. But we would say it can be a wonderful cross of suffering, amen, because of what the benefits come to you and me when we put our faith in Jesus. The benefits in that first chapter of Peter that Jan read, uh, just just to summarize it real quickly, the benefits, first of all, Peter says, we have a new birth. Hallelujah. A spiritual birth. But that's not all, right? He goes on, he says, secondly, we have a new inheritance in verses four and five. A new inheritance. Praise God for that. But you know, that's not all. Because thirdly, he says, on top of that, we have a new joy. Verses six to nine. It's a new joy. And so we, I stand here this morning, you sit there, we bless God, don't we? We bless God today for the horribleness of the cross of Christ because of the glories that it brings into your life and mine through our faith in Jesus. Anybody say amen? We, we bless God for that today. We bless him. You know, it always amazes me when somebody says, you know, can God really, you know, can God really understand 
and care about my hurts? What do you think? The answer of that, of course, is the cross of Christ, isn't it? He understands it perfectly. He was tempted in that way. So Jesus really says, I can feel your pain. (laughs) You know, no politician can do that. But Jesus can do it. He feels my pain and he feels yours. So anyway, that's the first cross. It's the cross of Christ. Amen? But here's, here's where we are this morning. What I'd like to suggest, it's not the only cross described in the Bible. There's another cross. And that's the second cross. And that's the cross that belongs to believers in Jesus Christ who are following Christ. Amen? And this is the one that is a little bit harder for us to handle. I don't know how you think about a cross. Maybe some of you this morning, I don't know. Anybody have a cross on, you know, a cross, a nice cross on a bracelet, you know, a cross, a nice cross here. We have crosses, and that's all fine and good. But what was the cross really a symbol of? The cross is a symbol of suffering and death. That's what the cross means. And that's what Jesus wants us to remember as well. So all through the Bible and in the New Testament especially, there are verses that teach us about the cross that belongs to us as followers of Jesus Christ and how we're to take it up. I just have a few here that we could look at just real quickly. The cross of believers is so, so prevalent in the Word of God. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 4, just again a little bit further in the same book, in chapter 4, we find here it is. Peter's talking about it again. Like it must be on his mind, this old fisherman. And so in chapter 4, and in verse 19, uh, actually, yeah, verse 12. Let's start in verse 12. He says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Jesus so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then he goes on talking about it. And at the end of the chapter, he says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and what? Continue to do good. So here's Peter talking about this again. Man, can he get, I don't know if I like this topic, do you? The cross in the life of the believer. Well, we could add another one in there. Uh, Luke 9, 23, Jesus was looking out and talking to a group of people following. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And take up the cross daily and follow me. And so that's the calling of Jesus. And then there's another one in 2 Timothy that, that, that we really don't like very much. It's the one that you're, you've heard a lot. But it says, everybody who seeks to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. Isn't that a wonderful verse? You know, so, so that could be a good memory verse for the leadership class one day. <laughs> and then there's another one. We could go on and on in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29 where Paul is saying, to you... It has been given 
to believe in Christ. That, that part of it is really good, but then he goes on and he says, and it's been given to you to suffer for Christ as well. So that's, that's part of it, isn't it? Does this make sense of what we're saying? The second cross. I really have been thinking a lot about this. It may seem pretty obvious to most of us about this idea, but I thought back before the time when, and when our particular situation just sort of fell apart um, starting about four years ago. So I was with the Lord one day. I was just in my devotion as I was praying to the Lord. And I was just really thankful that day. I was thankful for a lot of things. I was very thankful for God's blessings. I was thanking God for the relationship that I have with Christ. I was thanking him for uh, my wife. I was thanking him for my family. I was thanking him for my kids. I was thanking him for my grandkids. I was thanking him for my church and the ministry there. I was thanking him for Africa. I, just, I, I could have gone on and on and on. I was just, you know, that's how I was that day. I was just thanking him. And yet, right in the middle of that time, and I'm not kidding, this really happened. In the middle of that time, it was like the Lord spoke to me. Not out loud, but it, he spoke to me and he said, Dave, you're really thanking me for all these things in your life right now, but what if all these things were gone? Would you still thank me? Wow, so I don't know what you think about that, but that got my attention. And, uh, and of course, being great in faith, <laughs> I said, Lord, of course, <laughs> You know, of course, uh, with your help, I would continue to thank you and praise you like I should. And I just went on praying, not thinking too much about it at the time. Well, as you might guess, about two months later, the sky fell in <laughs> into our lives. And, and I'm not going to go into all details, but it was horrible. It was horrible. And, and I'm not talking about it to say that I'm any different than anybody else here because many of you have had things happen in your life that would compare to this. And what I've experienced is nothing compared to that story that I shared with you at the beginning where the, the young woman was martyred for her faith in Jesus Christ at all. So, but it was bad and it just shook me completely at that time. So the next sort of couple mornings later after everything started falling apart, I got a call from a friend of ours uh, whose name is Sheila in Elgin. She's involved in a prayer ministry there, the House of Prayer, and I've known Sheila. We've been friends for years and working together, and, and Sheila was in Florida at the time. I was still here in Illinois, and she called me up, and she said, Dave, how are you doing? And um, she didn't know anything about anything that had happened. She just called me up and said, how are you doing? I said, well... <laughs> you know, here's what's been going on. I just gave her the short version of things and she was shocked and she said, well, you know, last night when I was sleeping, I had a dream and I prayed and in my dream, I, pr I saw you in my dream and you were in the middle of a lake and you were drowning and I woke up, woke up my husband and we prayed for you and your family right then and I thank God for Sheila I thank God for many people like that who pray for those of us going through things. It was a great, great encouragement. But that's how bad it was for me personally. So I, I'm just trying to, to be honest because I think, uh, I think there's a lot of us that can identify with things like this. 
in our lives. Anybody here can identify with some things? So I like to keep a journal. So during some of these times, I write things down. And, and uh, I would write down how I was feeling, what I was doing, how I was dealing with it. You know, all the stuff I knew in my head I should be doing. I would write it down. And every once in a while, I go back and I'll read that journal that I wrote back then. I can't believe it. I can't believe that was me back then. I can't believe it because it was so bad. And I feel so different now. And what the Lord has done by His grace and His mercy. Amen? Do you see what I'm saying? And so coming back to my friend's question, Steve, he said, can a committed Christian go through a a really serious time of suffering? And what is the answer? The answer is absolutely yes. And it doesn't mean everybody does or every, you know, that it's all the time, right? But it can happen to us. All kinds of trials. So Peter, in that first chapter that Jan read, he said, for a short time, you're going through all kinds of trials, all kinds of trials. So I, I was thinking about that this week when I was preparing and I was trying to think of you know, what kinds of sufferings are there in the Bible? And, and I just tried to list out some different kinds. I, and you can come up with your own list, but just see what you think about some of these. Various kinds of trials. So there's one kind of trial. Number one there is when the Bible talks about how we are to die to self. That was the first one there. That means to, that deny yourself, take up your cross daily, Jesus said. Die to self. And that brings all kinds of of struggles into our lives when we work on that. But then there's another kind, the second one there, uh, there are trials that we would call persecutions. There are violent things, physical violence, maybe spiritual attacks, direct spiritual attacks by Satan. I I would put that there. I don't know if you've experienced that. Another one, another category up there would be the whole area, I think, of family separations. Many, many struggles with families uh, breaking up relationships and heartache in families. Anybody? Anybody there? Then the, la- the one on the top there at the end, weaknesses and diseases and afflictions. I know a lot of us deal with that. And maybe some of you here are dealing with things like that. That's a, that's a whole category of trials. Then down at the bottom, uh, this one, social ostracism and hatred from the world. You know, Jesus said that the world's going to hate you because it hated me first, right? And so that's a whole category. And then the the next one is sort of a personal one, I think, as I was thinking about it. It's just like uh, dealing with trials of rejection and accusations and insults and betrayals. Anybody there? Anybody have anything like that? Really, very common. Now, you might wonder about that last one I have up there. I call it friendly fire. Are you, are you familiar with that term? Friendly fire. So that's when, like in the military, you know, that's when the military accidentally shoots its own soldiers, right? And there's all kinds of stories of that happening in the history, in military history of where that happened. But I'm thinking of something different, not the military, because I'm thinking of what people say that you've probably heard before, that the church is the only place that shoots its wounded. Have you ever heard that before? 
Now that's not completely right because it's not the only place that does it. But it is a place that does it. Now so I had to put that up there. And I put that up there because I think all over in our congregations and in our churches that there are Christians that have really been wounded by churches and Christian people. And in our case, that definitely was the truth. And so when you look at that, those, you could add maybe some other categories, but can you identify with any of those? When you think of your life, can you fit in? I mean, which one would jump out at you? Or maybe even today, is there one of those things that you're particularly dealing with? Are you at a fork in your road today because of it? I don't, I don't know. Does this make sense? I read a story about crosses in uh, this woman was thinking of, of this idea and, and the cross that Jesus gave to her in her life. And she had a dream. So I don't know if this is true or not, but she had this dream. And as the dream goes, as the story goes, she go, in her dream, she walks into this room. She was tired of carrying her cross. The cross that Jesus gave her, she didn't like it anymore. It was, you know, it was irritable. And, you know, she doesn't like the trials that the Lord gave her. So she wanted to trade them in. So she went into this room in her dream, and it was, the room was full of crosses, all different kinds of crosses, all different sizes, all different colors, all different shapes. And so in her dream, she's walking around trying on different crosses. So I'll try this one for a while. Ah, this one doesn't fit me too well either. I'll, I'm going to try this one. Yeah, I don't like that one. This, this, this color isn't right. And she, and, and she wasn't coming up with any success until all of a sudden she found this one cross, and she grabbed it, she put it on, and it fit just right. It fit just right. She was so excited and walked out of the room. And in the dream, guess what the cross was? It was the cross that she came in with. It was her own cross. You see, God, people have said this, that trials, our trials, are tailor-made. And God is the tailor. So I'm not sure I like that. But (laughs) that means that what I do go through and what you go through it's exactly exactly what I need whoa so Samuel Rutherford who was a Scottish preacher pastor he said through many afflictions we must enter the kingdom of God it is folly to think that you're going to steal to heaven with a whole skin (laughs) I think I used to think that (laughs) So, is this making sense this morning? So, I, I want us to be really serious about this. So, I might say, well, if this is true, and all this is true, and all these different kinds that we looked at there, we have to ask God, why? You know, why is this this way? Why is this that cross, second cross? Is God a masochist who likes to see his children hurt? Is there any good purpose in the pages of this novel? Or is it just a divine soap opera? These are not trivial questions. They are serious questions. But praise God, there is an answer. And even in 1 Peter in chapter 1, which Jan read, Peter talks about the joy that comes from realizing that our faith will be tested, but it can be proved genuine and it can result in inexpressible joy. 
and glory in the future. And that's why if you know the Lord and you're following the Lord, you and I can really believe this, that the best is yet to come. Anybody, anybody agree with that? The best is yet to come. No matter what I'm going through, it really is. And so I love this, what Peter said in that one part of it, especially in verse seven, when he says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hallelujah. It's when Jesus Christ is revealed. Does this make sense? We, we are blessed by God in our trials so that we can be blessable to the world around us. That's the whole thing. And my faith can be proved genuine and real and refined. And so I have a message to share with my friends in my church. And I can say, I can say, God is real. He is real. And you can trust him. You can trust him. You can really trust him. Isn't this true? I always like to... Um, write down things, and, and, and Barb gave us a, a whole list of quotes about suffering a while back. It was just tremendous, Barb. That was so good. I, I like to do that. So uh, I love George Mueller's life, the man of faith, and I wrote this down in, in my notes. I have a secret satisfaction in the greatness of the difficulties. I wrote down faith and prayer are universal remedies against every want and every difficulty. I wrote this one down. Sometimes God gives you the answer to your prayers, but sometimes he gives you the promise of the answer to your prayers. And you have to wait. I wrote this down. God shows up when it is the darkest. Do you believe that? I, I believe that. Great lament prepares us for great joy. You say, why is this so real? It's because the, the job that God is calling you and me to, to be part of the salt and light and the kingdom of God and the great commission, that job is so, it's so delicate and it's so important that the instrument has to be so sharp. And the way that we are sharpened, I hate to admit <laughs> is through our sufferings, our sufferings. One commentator wrote about this passage that this passage in 1 Peter is shot through with the radiance that belongs to God's essence. Isn't that cool? Zane Hodges wrote, loyal discipleship is laying up treasures in heaven. It's like I'm sending my luggage on ahead. I'm sending it on ahead. It's laying up treasures in heaven. And it's so good. So we, we need to take that, the best is yet to come, and brand it, brand it. In, I need it branded in my heart. Do you? In my heart, I need to believe that the best I can. And so we might say that the key idea from this passage is pretty simple. The triumph of faith over sorrow means future glory. So do you agree with this? Is this good stuff? I, I think it's a challenge in my life. One of my favorite verses during our 
struggles was uh, Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. That was a great quote. David wrote that when he was going through a time of betrayal and when his friends had become his enemies in Psalm 55. It's a great song. And so we praise God today. So you remember my friend Steve that I mentioned at the beginning? So one of the things that happened in Steve's life was as a result of his accident, a couple of us went out and visited his mom and dad one day soon after that and they both accepted Christ as their savior, started coming to church and Bible studies and they're both in glory right now. Steve had been praying for that for years and it happened just not the way he thought that it would happen, amen? So we wanna say to each other this morning, the glory train is coming. The glory train is coming and it's coming around the bend, my friend. Here comes the glory. Here it comes. Walt Barrett is with the Lord. And uh, Walt and Jane were good friends of ours too. And so uh, when we were in the middle of our things, um, we met Walt and Jane one time in, in Merrillville and had over lunch and uh, talked. And Walt has always had a lot of wisdom. He, he was sharing and he, and he said, and I took notes. You know, when you're talk, talking to somebody like that, you want to write down things I mean, so you don't forget it. And I took notes and I, I wrote down a couple things especially. And, and one of the things he said was that when he was, that in his ministry life, he'd gone through three or four different times of great trials, great suffering. And he says that at this point in his life, when he looked back on those times, the thing that he remembers, the thing he remembers is not the pain, but it's the gain. It's the things that God did in his life as a result. I wrote that down. And I'm here. You know, I'm telling you this because I'm seeing that. I'm seeing it happen. The second thing he said to me that day that I wrote down was he said of all the things that he's ever done in ministry, and Walt did a whole lot of different things, he said the things that he thinks had the biggest effect were the times of ministry where he reached out and, and tried to help somebody who was suffering. That's big time. That's free advice <laughs> from Walt, who's with the Lord now. So I, I don't know if this makes sense, but I, I think of these things, and, I, and of course I'm thinking, okay, if all this is true, and I think it is, you know, if all this is true, what's the job of the church? What's the church supposed to be doing? And we're supposed to be in the church. The church is supposed to be equipping believers to suffer well in following Jesus Christ. So I've, I'm not saying that we're not. I'm just saying that's the job of the church, right? Are we prepared to suffer and to suffer well? So I mentioned Curtis Sargent before uh, and the reason that I appreciated that so much was he's a, been a missionary leader, and especially in China. And he talks about this over there, and he says that 
in China, they really, the churches over there, they really have got this vision of how important it is to train Christians on how to suffer for Christ, the, the second cross. And so they, they do a lot of things there. Of course, their situation is different than ours, right? But he said, like, when they're baptized, when somebody's baptized over there, you have to, you have to take a pledge. So you're, you have to say publicly to the people there, I'm ready at any place to suffer for the Lord. I'm ready at any place to be imprisoned for the Lord. I'm ready at any time to escape from prison for the Lord. <laughs> and I'm ready at any time to die for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can be baptized. So, wow, that is interesting, isn't it? And so in China, in their churches, they, they practice suffering. They practice it to get themselves ready. So they'll do things like they, they have these gatherings and they, they'll have people jump out of the second story window onto the ground. They practice it because they know that it's coming. They, they practice being chained up, you know, with, you know and, and they practice going without water, for example, because they know that it's coming. So this is just amazing to me. I don't know what you think about it. It's just really amazing. And, and he says there that they have a motto in the Christian church in China, and it's this, and, the, and they all know it, and so they recite it together, but it's something like this. If you imprison me, you're just allowing me to spread the gospel more openly. If you put me in solitary confinement, you're just giving me more time to meditate on Scripture and prayer. If you beat me up, you're just giving me more opportunity to glorify God. If you kill me, you're just going to send me to glory. And if you seize my house, you're just going to let me travel around even more to spread the gospel. And that's their motto, and that's what they say. They say, we win. We win. No matter what, we win. So that's really convicting to me. I don't know how that makes you feel. And we're not China, you know, so we realize that. But are we being trained here to suffer in our churches in America? So, are you with me on this? I'm going a little long. Okay, let me wrap this up a little bit here. Um, Amy Carmichael was a famous missionary in India. For many years, at the end of her life, she was bedridden. She was also a poet and wrote many poems. Probably one of her most famous ones was this one. It's called, Hast Thou No Scar? And it's like Jesus is speaking. It's sort of old English, so bear with it, but listen to what she wrote. Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers spent, leaned me against the tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? Hast thou no scar? No wound? No scar? Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole, 
Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? Can we have followed close to Jesus if we have no wound or scar? So what a challenge it is. Amen? So the last thing here is I was trying to think about all this and how to wrap it up and how to summarize it. Thinking, well, okay, how, what's some good advice on how to suffer well? <laughs> That's a jolly one, isn't it? And, and uh, you might have your own. And so I, this is just homey advice. I wrote down some things. I just wrote them down real quick of things that make some sense to me because I just like the bottom line. I'd like somebody to say, get to the point. I just want you to get to the point Come on, just tell me what the point is and what's the bottom line in all this. So here's my bottom line. You can have your own advice, but uh, see what you think about this. How to suffer well, just some ideas. Number one, count the cost. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Number two, anticipate it prayerfully. Number three, when it comes, work, work at accepting it by faith. Number four, when it stays a long time, (laughs) wait it out and think it in. You could say, thank it in, thank it in. Number five, during its stay, watch, listen, and obey. Number six, when it leaves, it's time to rejoice, but also reflect. Number seven, afterwards, learn it and share it. There are people right now waiting around us to hear your story, to hear your story, if you'll share it with them. And last one, last but not least, get ready for the next one because there's more coming around the bend until we go to meet Jesus, amen? So may God help us on these things and may he encourage your heart in this, and that's just my testimony this morning. So I'm not saying that I'm I am any different than anybody else. Uh, I'm really weak. I found that out. I'm weak like you. To be weak and to know it is one thing. To be weak and to show it is another thing. To be weak and grow it is the best thing. And we praise God today because the Bible says, when I am weak, I am strong in Jesus Christ. And so may that be true in your heart and mine. There's a legend of a pioneer missionary who came to some distant island and he led his first convert to Christ. This man that he led to Christ was later tortured to death by his own people. Years later, when the missionary himself died and went to glory, the story says that he met this martyred convert in heaven and he asked him, how did it feel to be tortured to death for Christ? And the man looked at him for a moment and then he said, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. So may God take that and make that true for you and me. That the glory is coming, that God's peace is with us. And there are two crosses, not just one. The cross of Christ. And the second one 
is the cross for me and for you. So I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you very much. You've been really patient. Sorry to go long again with this. So God bless you. Let's come and sing again here, Andy. Weren't the songs that we sang earlier?